please just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard and see if good things will happen for us. Yeah, boys, yeah. Just dishing it 101. Um, I tried to sit here and think of a good pun for that, and I got nothing. So sorry to disappoint everybody, but welcome back to the show. It is the 101st installment of Just Dishing It. Joined by Willie on the ones and twos, and my partner in crime, John Toods, Tudor. Derek, busy. The boy's hustling his ass off. Um, yeah, I tied up at the studio. Um, yeah, that's what happens to Derek sometimes, you know? Boy's He's grinding. in demand. He's in demand, baby. That's what we like. <laughs> yeah. We all knew we all knew what a valuable motherfucker he was. So it's good to see. It's good to see. Um, yeah. So shout out to Derek. Hope it's uh, not in a bad way. It didn't seem like it when we were texting him. So all good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, the NHL playoffs have started. How are we feeling, gentlemen? A game has been played in each series as of us recording this. Tudes, I know we're going to be pretty heavy into the playoff hockey here because my God, has it been mayhem? Has, has there been a lot of stuff to talk about? I'm Weird. jazzed up. I don't know how you feel, buddy. Dude, uh, last night, every away team won. Yeah. In all four matchups. Uh, just wild. Uh, you know, the night before that, there's a little bit of a mix. But yeah, last night, there really weren't many. I guess Kraken Avalanche was a little bit close. I didn't stay up to watch the rest of that game. A little bit past my bedtime with a 10 p.m. puck drop on the West Coast. Um, but, and the TV uh, delays because they never start on time. In the yeah, right? I mean, I saw the first goal of the game. Kraken were up one nothing and promptly went to sleep. But uh yeah, man, like the Rangers came out looking hot. I'm secretly was hoping that not even not so secretly. I'm openly hoping that the Devils kick the shit out of them. Um, mm-hmm. But it is what it is there. Um, lightning, though. <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I don't know about you guys, but I think everyone knows by now, right? Like we live in Buffalo. So Buffalo may not have had very much playoff success in the last decade plus this we know however nothing i'm convinced makes buffalo people happier than watching toronto flounder in the first round of the playoffs i would argue that that feeling is up there probably like number two in buffalo behind like a bills or sabers playoff win Uh, so last night kind of an interesting game lightning jump out three nothing and it looks like they're gonna trounce right all of a sudden the Leafs come back it's three to two Willie Willie Nylander with a nice little goal to make it three to two and just as I'm sitting there in the the building's nice and loud everybody in Toronto's rocking building's getting into it there's some life back in the arena the Stanley Cup chance are starting again I'm I'm sitting we want the cup well, I'm I'm actually thinking to myself at that point, I'm like, okay, Toronto is in this. Like they, they can win tonight. And then give up a goal, bunting, match penalty, tossed out of the game, five minute major. And then while they're killing the five minute major, they challenge a goal call or, or a no goal. Uh that was so lose, weird. Lose the challenge and then go down another goal because now they gave up a five on three for the delay of game. And I think like, I don't know about you guys. I, I didn't really understand it. So I'd like to get your input because in that situation, if you're the Leafs, the game is still within kind of reach, but like you're down, they were down two, I believe at that point. So mm-hmm. That that call to me really decided the game, right? Because by by challenging that play, Keith was basically saying, "This is either getting overturned or we are losing." Right. right? Because you you put it out of reach at that point when you go down another goal and you give up the five on three power play for another minute. 
Like right. it just it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, especially I think the play had already got reviewed for like goalie interference. So I feel like with that many reviews, they would have called it no goal if they didn't think it was a goal anyway, in my head. But yeah, very interesting decision. But Toronto just like I had this conversation with somebody at work today. If Toronto gets bounced in the first round this year, Dubas and Keefe have to be gone, right? They have to be. We've been saying that for like two, three years now, but like they they have to be gone if they get bounced in the first round. But if you look at this team, they are so loaded and objectively one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference. Would Do you burn it down? Like, do you, if, if they get bounced in the first round and let's say they get, they get gentlemen sweep five, five game series. Do you just rip it down to the studs? Keep like one of your core players and just start over. Like, would they be the best team ever to do that? Or is that a total overreaction? I'd like to think it's an overreaction, but I don't know after this many years in a row running it with the same core, like. That that's the definition of insanity, is it not? Like, yeah, I think it is. Um, the problem, though, is this is like it's so unique. I feel like, like they're they're you're almost worse off in their situation than like how the Sabers have been. Yeah, it's been miserable, but like. At least for now, there's like that real sense of positivity, light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, it seems like, right? Because mm-hmm. right, right, currently, the most honest Leafs fan I know, shout out to Robbie. He knows who he is. Um, He talks about it all the time whenever we'll check in during the year. Like, yeah, how the Leafs looking, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't care what they do. Talk to me. Talk to me in the playoffs, and then let's see if they win a series. Yeah. The most realistic Leafs Leafs fan, probably. Right, and that's that's what it is, and Maybe it's like, the only one. But right, well, that's why we love them. That's why we love them. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it's weird because I'm tempted to say like, yes, it's an overreaction because I think it is because that team is very very good, but they've also most of the time that they've been doing this, it's been. Dubis and Keefe has it not for the most part like they had one the who was yep. before Sheldon Keefe was that Babcock for that right yep. yeah so I believe I don't think there was anyone between them but yeah so I mean it's at, at what when you have a team like that that constantly underachieves it, it, like at what point are you I can't even believe Dubis is still there and you know what I mean and I can't believe they're both still in the same role because at some point you have to admit as a GM or even as a coach, like this team needs a new voice. Well, and, and I do think too, you see this in, I think hockey specifically where it works, right? In hockey, you see a coach that gets fired in the middle of the year. The team goes on a crazy run they respond to a new voice and they really don't change much in the locker room, but like they do go on a run. So I understand that that can happen, but in hockey, it's also, it's very much a, a, what have you done for me lately thing, right? Where I think teams maybe don't get caught up in the idea that, well, if we let this guy go, are we going to be able to find somebody better? Because ultimately Yes, if you let Sheldon Keefe go or if you let uh, Kyle Dubas go, they are going to have a head coach or a GM job very, very quickly in the NHL. So to some people that might feel like, oh, are we doing the right thing? Like if other people would want these guys that bad, why shouldn't we? But sometimes you just need that you need to change something. You need that spark, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you you almost tip your cap to those guys and be like, hey, I hope you have success wherever you go next, but we got to get somebody new in here. You see it all the time, right? Like Dan Bilesma in Pittsburgh, it happened before mm-hmm. he came to Buffalo. <clears throat> he won one Stanley Cup, and then every year he was getting into the playoffs and he couldn't get over the hump. 
So they shipped them out and it was kind of like a, Hey, thanks for bringing a cup here, but like we need someone to give us a spark. And then they went back to back cup Sullivan's two first two years. Yeah. Now that team's reeling a little bit now, and it'll be interesting to see how long of a leash they give Sullivan moving forward after, you know, not getting out of the first round for a few years and now missing the playoffs. But sometimes it's like, you can't hang your hat on this guy's a good coach. Cause yeah, if they fired, Mike Sullivan, which it doesn't look like they are this year, he'd get a head coaching job immediately. But, you know, let's let's get some new blood in there sometimes with some of these teams. I think Dubis and Keefe are kind of getting to that point if they don't get out of the first round again, because to your point, Benny, too, how can how hard is it to move some of these guys? I mean, we know the contracts that Matthews and Marner and some of these guys have, so not the easiest thing to shuffle around in a salary cap. Uh, constraint but I think I think they're gonna if they can't figure it out from getting you know getting the wheels beat off of them on their home ice seven to three game one if this is a quick first round exit for them again I, I think you gotta make some changes and yeah it depends how they go out I think in the first round if that's gonna be done so for me I'm kind of like all right, well, are we jumping too early here? It's game one, long series in a way. It's just, again, it's <laughs> it's the team that it is. So after game well, one, it's, it's, the you team, know, it's the team that it is, but it's almost like, in my mind, your sample size is bigger than just one game. Yeah. Your sample size is how has this team performed with this coach this GM and this core group of players over the last X number of years. Fair. You know, there's, there's something too though, where I think it might be as simple as Dubis should have pulled the trigger on a new coaching voice sooner. That might've very well might've saved him because now he's in the crosshairs even more. I think before last year, they should have maybe made a change to try and get something going. So I don't really know. It's, it's hard to say. Um, it's, it's tough because they have so many good players and you see the potential there. Obviously you still fucking Jared picked Toronto to win in five games. I got a I side mean, bet could, with him. You know what I, I mean? mean? I, like it's, I could be the biggest idiot in the world. And when we record this next week, the Leafs might rattle off four in a row and win it in five. But you're not, though, because there's nothing they have done, like you said, to make you think that they will. Yeah. And that's and that's like your buddy, <laughs> harsh, too, that, but... your buddy, too, that is the Leafs fan. I think it's one of those things where it's a lot of people's mentality about not only the Leafs, but either their favorite team or another team in general sometimes in any sport where it's like, hey, We've been here and it's their year for how many years now? I'll believe it when I see it, mm -hmm. and I'll exactly. tip my and I'll tip my cap to them if they do it. But I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt if they've proven that they shouldn't have it. Right. Um. I Willie, I I sent a clip here. Um. I don't know if you want to pull that up. Uh, it's a video of John Tavares being asked a question about the penalties last night. Um. This is one thing I wanted to make sure. I covered on Toronto before we moved to the other games because there's been a lot of good stuff. But um, I think this is kind of telling to me. I want to see what you guys think of his answer to the question about the penalty calls. Um, on the second slide there from uh, TSN, there is a clip of it. But, uh, yeah, when it really gets it pulled up here. But it's... Um, it's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting answer from Tavares. Um, I'm not exactly sure what he was <laughs> I don't know if he was thinking. Um, but yeah, Willie, if you want to roll that, it's right there. you just press the arrow. one of these annoying ones but um 
I don't know if the sound's not going to work, but either way, if you want to slide it over, I can read the the basic quote of what he said. Um, but he he basically referenced that those calls are borderline, is what he's saying. Uh, quote: Those calls are borderline, more likely than not, probably going to go their way. They've been to the final three times in a row, and if you can, you know, go on and see the clip of him say this. That was pretty shocking to me. I have no idea. Tudes, what do you think about that? Because I can't, like, it's game one, and you're crying that they're getting penalty calls? I will say. He's because not, they've he's been not, to- I will say he's not alone. Uh, Chris Chelios even said on ESPN after the game that that was the, absolutely, his quote was absolutely terrible officiating, worse than a while. Um, he said that at an yeah he's i remember him saying that but like they were missing calls all over the ice it wasn't just for tampa and they were i think it's and and i go back and forth on how i feel about this because you see it with superstars in the league as well right when guys come into the league they might get hacked and they don't really get penalty calls and you know maybe they spend a lot of time you know in the ref's ear being like hey why am i not getting these calls But then as they get older, they kind of get what a lot of people would consider a lot of softer calls in their favor. So in a lot of ways, I do think it's a respect thing from the referees. I, I don't know if it's a, if it's a conscious decision or if it's just an unconscious bias toward a superstar player or a team that has had so much sustained success. Um, I, I have a tough time believing it's a it's a conscious decision. I just think that it kind of happens naturally maybe over time. But, yeah, I mean, I do think Tavares probably has a little bit of a point there. Um, I don't – and I don't have an issue with him talking about it. I should put it that way because – I don't I think, either. I think for – I think people in every sport – talk about how players can't shouldn't criticize the officials and players get fined for that type of behavior all the time. The leagues come down hard on them whenever they make a comment about the quality of officiating in a negative way. But in all reality, those refs are the only ones that don't have to answer to it. They can, we've gone over they, this before, yeah. Yeah, like they can make shit calls or not make any calls all night long. And they don't have to sit in front of the media and explain themselves. And frankly, I think they should. I think if you're going to make a player go out there and have a press conference and defend themselves when they play poorly, or you're going to have them talk to talk to reporters and they're going to get in trouble if they answer a question with their honest opinion, put the official out there that made the call and make them talk about it and back it up. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not That's saying that they're not going to miss calls. I'm not saying that they have to be perfect because we all know there's a human element and you can't be perfect. But you should at least have to own that call. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do MLB yeah. officials have to? Not, none of them do. None of them do. Why do I feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe just like the perfect game. Remember the no, obviously game messed up like, and then yeah, that and guy like, had to talk about it? Like he, maybe he that's didn't is, have is significant. To, that's the thing. I think that okay. was like I mean, a one-on-one he, he issued, sit down, right? He issued a public apology on it because okay. he was like crying oh. and he felt so bad once he made right. the call. Jim Joyce is who you're talking about with uh, Galarraga's what would have been uh, – no hitter, perfect game back a while ago with the the Tigers, but yeah, I mean those guys, I they have a difficult job. The game is fast. You're not going to be perfect, but we should all have to answer for those those situations if you're going to make the players do it. Also, yeah, you you make the players have media availability and you stick a microphone in their face after a really emotional loss and you expect them to hold it together and not say anything, but you don't make the official that's making or not making that call answer for what they did that impacted the outcome of the game. I would love to hear that. I would love to hear if maybe there are like such a thing as makeup calls, like 
and if they have to actually explain themselves and how they made the call, you're you're gonna set apart the refs that are able to set aside their ego and watch the game and be, like officiate a game that's uh, unbiased. And I think that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, and I think there are refs that do that, Willie. Like I I do. I, I do think, think some sports are worse than others on that point too, but with yeah. what Tudor's saying, I agree with too. But I do, I do think that there's refs that they don't publicly do it, right? They don't have to answer to it in front of a camera. But I do think there's refs that you know skate over to a guy after a play, or you know maybe in oh, the big next time, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe in the next period or something like that, and you know maybe they skate up to the captain of the team before a faceoff and say, "Hey, man, like." I get it. That was on me. Like, I understand that was a mistake. And I do think those things go a long way with players to say, Hey, that's fine. I get that you're going to make a mistake, but thank you for owning that. I just think that if you're not going to allow players to openly criticize officiating, you got to make them answer publicly for their, their calls. I couldn't it agree. Does sound more. like there's it's unbiased. It does. Or it sounds like there is some sort of bias within the games. Like it, if Lars is going to say something like that, maybe it is like the little chatter to the other team's captain, or like they're going to check in a couple more times with the and let's, like the opponent. And let's not forget too, all of these people are human, right? So mm-hmm. in in human relationships, there's going to be some of those implicit biases, whether it's you know a guy's been playing in the league as a ten year veteran, and you've you've reffed a lot of their games over the years. So you get to know him on a little bit more of a personal level. And maybe this other guy that, you know, was involved in this same skirmish is a, you know, a first year, second year player that's in and out of the lineup and you don't really know him from the next guy. Yeah. There's going to be a little bit of an implicit bias there to make a call in favor of the person, you know, and I think everyone understands that that unfortunately can be part of it. And I don't know that you can fully take that element out. Uh, you know how you could help it? What you just said. They got to answer the questions. And that's, and that's kind of my point. And I've yep. thought about this for a long time. Just, you know, not just like last night's Tavares call, but in other sports as well. Um Oh, dude, the, there, there's so many situations, um, but even like hockey specifically, but like, here's an example in a different sport or for Willie might find this interesting. I'm pretty sure you would probably know this too. It's Willie before there was a Suns game last night, Chris Paul point guard plays for the Suns before last night. There's a ref in the NBA. His name is Scott Foster. Before last night, Chris Paul in games that he's played in that Scott Foster has officiated, and they've had some back and forth about calls quite a bit in their careers. Chris Paul is 0-14 in playoff games that Scott Foster has refed. Until last night, he won his first one. Little fishy, isn't it? it I know it's NBA basketball. Everybody who listens to this show somewhat regularly knows my thoughts on the officiating in that sport. Well, it's been exposed before as, <laughs> as set up. Like, I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, at the same Scott time, Foster's like, still working. He's one of the guys. He was buddies with the other dude. What the fuck was his name? Tim Donaghy. Yeah, Tim Donaghy. They were buddies. God damn it, Tudor. You're so good. Hey, isn't he? He's so good. And he looks sharp doing it. It's, fucking, it's unfair. He, got, no, he used to get mad at me when I would pick him for the clips all the time because I just loved what he said. Oh, that's... I mean... I think just I'm, just, see, I'm just used to it now. You know what happened? I saw Tudor. I, I'm not going to say you're the Wayne Gretzky of podcasting. We got a long way to go there, but Gretzky did something that reminded me of something you would do if you would retire from beer league or leave the show. God forbid, right? For your last goodbye thing. It's all about him, right? It's the last show. We got to celebrate this great person. What's Gretzky doing? Pre-game, he's signing 40 jerseys, 40 sticks, making sure his teammates and the trainers all have one. That's John Tudor. He butts right. in, and he, ma- and he makes sure that he's got it dialed in for the boys. He is a team guy through and through. Right there is a good example. Sorry to put the pressure on you to mention you and Gretzky in the same sentence. It's just a thing Gretzky did. <laughs> Don't get too crazy about it, buddy. I, you, you had know me what? thinking about it. I was going nuts <laughs> over here. You know what? I, I appreciate the kind words, Benny. And uh, if you want, next week when we're at the shop, uh, ripping out some new skate skins to ship out to all the uh, good folks that are um, 
putting them on their skates. Uh, mm-hmm. Bring bring your stick. I'll sign it for you. There you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I'll have you put it in my arm somewhere and I'll incorporate it into the sleeve. I don't want it on a stick. I could lose the stick. Yo, I'll come to your next tattoo appointment and I'll sign it. That's even better. Yo, that's such a good point. What if I just didn't wear these on the skates and just had all the boys sign them? I that too. Look at you, just man, just the absolute fuel to our fire right now. It's glorious. Um, so yeah, where the fuck were we though? We were talking officiating. Yeah, so I had to bring up the Scott Foster thing, but yeah, yeah, there's that just that kind of shit goes on. I know that the baseball guys, some of the huge baseball followers, there's a couple umpires I believe to it who are notoriously pathetic at calling strikes. Angel Hernandez literally for years has been calling games like he's blindfolded. (laughs) Did it? He, I, somebody showed me a stat about the percentage of missed strikes or something or missed called something. It's it's absurd. And how much higher his is than the next guy below him. It's wild. He's got to have some buddies. This is why I, he's actually the one that's driven me the most nuts just because I've been such a baseball fan over the course of my life as well, where I'm sure there's some sort of review system for refs. There obviously is a performance review and that's obviously how they get moved into the playoffs and their respected sports. And then it gets narrowed down each round. Right. And then if you make it to the Stanley cup final or the super bowl or the world series, the NBA finals, like, you're considered one of the top handful of referees in the game. But for someone to be refereeing or umpiring for that long, like an Angel Hernandez, and have players consistently across the board have issues with the way that they call games, I don't understand how you still have a job. Yeah. Like if I went to if I went to work at my day job every day for for five years uh, and everyone that I worked with was like, this guy sucks. His work is terrible. We have to redo it every time he turns in something for a client. I would no longer have a job. We award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) So, so I I don't understand how, how that doesn't happen with these refs, right? I feel like, I feel like you get certain guys in there that consistently make poor decisions and terrible calls. And then they're still refing or umping the next season and the season after that. It's like, what does it take to get rid of these guys? Gamble on the games. Get caught gambling on the games. Get caught gambling on the games. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the officiating thing is always fascinating. Um, yeah, that uh, was it. Uh, Untold on Netflix, the special they do now. There was a recent documentary, maybe about uh, the Tim Donaghy stuff, and yeah, it you know, was really uh, good. Really, really good. Doc- really good documentary on it. I'd highly um, recommend. And also, there's a podcast. Um, flagrant foul or something it's a whole the podcast was by a uh investigative journalist who like dug into this and really went on a deep dive and he was like more interested on the uh cover-up or alleged cover-up of certain things and you know the game fixing stuff that the league was doing you know when david stern was there predominantly and all this shit so it was super fascinating um just for you guys, I'll. Uh, I'm sure it won't be the last I bring it up, but I'll. I'll figure out what it. Uh, what the name of it is, if you want to check it out, or the, the journalist name. But he was very, very good. It was a super easy listen, and very. He had interviews with like the FBI agents who worked on the scandal and everything. Like really well done. Um, but yeah, that. Uh, that also, when we were talking on the hockey officiating part, you know, when I originally brought up the Tavares thing. I immediately went to, and Willie, you said something about knowing about makeup calls. And it made my brain go to the Tim Pool situation. Was that two years ago? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, what he got caught saying, and really all he's doing, he's doing what you want to kind of, as a hockey guy, you want to hear an official do that. Where he just got caught on a hot mic. Right. That's the kind of thing where it reminded me in a way of like, 
the NBA used Tim Donahue as the scapegoat and just to like make him the black sheep and he's the only one doing it. We found the the lone operator. And I feel like in a way the NHL might have used that strategy in a similar fashion with Tim Pool because people who maybe didn't play as much or know, or maybe they're more casual, they don't know the nuances of the officiating and how that works on the ice where that's just how it is. Yep. That's, that's the way the game's officiated. Hockey's a little different with the, you're allowed to fight and you know, there's a little bit of a difference there where the game kind of polices itself, where you can't really dictate by, fixing or bad officiating you can't completely dictate the outcome of a game in hockey i don't think nearly as much as you can in the nba you give a star player three quick fouls and you can completely switch spread betting total betting you can completely throw a monkey wrench in the entire thing i think donaghy's quote um from the documentary because he was in it and he was very open about talking yeah. Uh, one of his quotes, I believe the number was six points, where he said in a given NBA game as an official, you can swing the game six points. Yeah. One way or the other. Mm-hmm. Which in a in a in a world where you're betting a spread and in an NBA game, the spread might be five and a half points, it might be eight points, whatever. That's a big swing. That is a lot of points. And you can do it in ways that are not as obvious as in hockey, right? Like in hockey, if you went out and gave one team six power plays in the first two periods and the other team didn't get a single call, that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But that's why that's why Tim Peel got screwed because – Sorry, did I say pool? You did. I wasn't going to cut you Tim off. Tim Pool's a – You were wrong. You know, he's, yeah, he's another guy. He's got. He's a different dude. He's got a <laughs> podcast. He covers a lot of like uh, corruption stuff and like his cousin. Uh, weird stories. His cousin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're related. Who knows? But that's why he got screwed, right? Because he did what we all know happens in hockey, right? When you're sitting there and you know, like, your favorite team got two power plays in the first period, you know that the next call is going against them. It is what it is. Because they want to keep they want to keep chances in, in games competitive, and I understand that piece of it. But the NHL in that situation – I think they won, to your point, Benny, they used him as a scapegoat because he was retiring at the end of that season. So they were mm-hmm. like, you know what? You can still keep your pension. You can do this, but you're done now. You don't get the ref the last like 20 games of the season or whatever it was. Yeah, you don't get your swans, huh? um, which is a big deal to officials oh, in absolutely. that community. And, and the other piece of it with him is that to me showed with the NHL what a lot of people's mentality is in general right it's i'm not mad at you because you did it i'm mad at you because you got caught yeah because he got he he was on a hot mic the nhl knows damn well that all of their officials have the same thought process that tim peel had in that situation Mm -hmm. they just they just didn't get caught on a hot mic without turning it off before they had that conversation with the other officials Well, I got a couple. Stuff. I got a couple questions for you guys to kind of tie this in. Maybe yeah. it'll make you th- make us think about. You know, obviously refs are interested in the sport. They may have some sort of bias or their favorite team, what have you. But if Tavares is going to say something like this along the lines, like maybe they're giving like Tampa a couple more calls. Like maybe there are teams where an official I- is gonna gonna be more towards one team or the other. Mm-hmm. But we have. How first question, a little trivia. How many teams are there in the NHL? 32. Great. How many NHL referee or linesmen are are full time? How many full time refs, excuse me, are in the NHL? I don't know. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 128. I'm gonna go 35. Sorry, Ben Yaman. Because yeah, that I knew yeah. So there's got to be someone within there that, you know, I don't know if they have like a hometown that they can kind of base out of, go to games that are closer. I'm sure they pay these guys to travel and they, do all they that. Are, they are a lot um, regionally from what I understand, Willie. Yeah. So that if you have point. a regional bias, maybe you have a team bias. Maybe the ref last night, Tavares picked up, maybe, you know, Jesus, I go and play the same guys in – 
whatever D1 ACHA hockey, and I know that I'm going to see this ref, and I know if he likes us or not. Maybe it's one of those refs maybe, that like maybe, so, re- maybe that ref. ref grew up on Long Island and he's an Islander. So. <laughs> uh, oh, tutor. Uh, it's I'm so saying, funny. Did we look it up? Can we rule it out? Yeah. Like no, we cannot. He might have yeah. been throwing rubber snakes on the ice. Yeah, he might have. He might have absolutely had a conniption when he saw that stupid picture of Tavares and those maple leaf pajamas uh when he when he decided to jump ship on the island but maybe maybe uh, he owns like tim horton's franchises is like a side business and he's like ryan o'reilly's here fuck that guy (laughs) 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 yeah you're gonna pay Uh, for that (laughs) the um the one thing i was gonna say to that though willie is um as far as like what i said about Tavares and his quote Part two of that was I'm playing devil's advocate with my first point about him being a whiner because I think just the wording in the situation, he kind of reflects some of the fans we like to laugh at, you know, those silly ones. But in reality, he's a captain. He's been a captain in this league for a long time, and I'm sure at other levels. I feel like if you're a captain in the NHL, you have been it before, most likely. Um, And he's not a dumb guy. You know, so I think what he's doing is he's making sure he openly says in the public, hey, we already know Sheldon Keefe has a history with Wes McCauley, who was the referee for this game. We didn't get what we thought was a fair shake. If you mount up the public pressure, the refs for this game to tomorrow night are going to be. All right. You know, we're we're because they're getting handed a situation where, like, yeah, the Leafs are making some noise. The game's in Toronto. This could get out of hand because Tampa's not going to not push back and try and rile them up. So it's one of those things where I think that you just have to keep that in mind too. Um, it's, it's definitely something I wanted to make sure I said because it's always twofold for me, and I don't assume the captain of an NHL franchise is being a whiner to whine in the media. I know what he was doing. We know what he was doing there. He's telling the next crew, "Hey, we better get the first fucking penalty called." Let you know, and and we're all going to watch the game. And for what we know, most likely Toronto probably will get the first call. Who knows? But we're good with it because we know Tampa. It's gonna. There's the checks and balances kind of thing. Based what we heard on the hot mic from Tim Peel. I almost said pool again. You know what it is, Willie? It's our good buddy Tim. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with a last name that's very similar yeah. to a Peel. So, but no, that's the that's the whole makeup like calls. I guess it's like a like yeah. a, the idea that there's a makeup call is probably the same idea that they're going to grab refs that are going to maybe push the game the other way for the next game. It's yeah. it, like you said, system of checks and balances. This is a business. They're not going to just set this up for everyone to sweep the other team. Like it's not how they're going to do it. I don't think that they're going to sit there and script games or tell them like, Hey, we need these, all these series to go to game seven for us to earn the set amount of revenue that we wanted to earn for the year. Like, I don't think that's a thing, but there's such thing as makeup calls. There's probably such thing as makeup refs to do the next game. Yeah. Was Was it Wes McCauley last night? Yes. I, wow. Okay. I, couple beers at dinner and a bourbon during the game so i didn't even notice yeah and um, i ju- i wasn't made aware of the history he had with sheldon keith going back into yeah. other leagues i even might have heard someone say because mccauley does have a very solid reputation as being one of the better refs in the league yeah but conveniently the fucking coach of the toronto maple leafs and the whole organization you know what i'm saying there's always the two sides where i'm like i don't know really where to go but I respect a great hockey player like John Tavares and a great captain, regardless of his team's success. He took the fucking New York Islanders from a shit pile mess to a, you know, shit, shit pile mess. When he left, yeah, he left it a shit pile mess, but he built it up pretty good before he ripped it all down with the, yeah, bait and switch there. Um, but he, yeah, so I don't know. It's all relative, but I don't know, man. The, the, the officiating is interesting. And yeah, like I said, I didn't really know too much about that history. I still really don't, but I know there's been multiple instances of disagreements between the two. 
during we're gonna, games. We're so. going to find out that they like played a game against each other in like 10U. And, well, like, Sheldon Keefe was a psycho when he played. I know that. Was he? I've heard multiple stories that he was a lunatic. Oh, his team is like soft as like baby. His shit, team could, so. that's, and that's another thing that would, I think Wit actually brought it up on Chicklets at one point where he had a friend who played with him or something or a guy he knew and said he was a menace, a complete maniac. Um, so it is interesting because you always say that the teams take on the personality of the coach. So I don't know if he's just Austin Matthews had a look in his eyes after he looked after the challenge didn't go their way and they (laughs) gave up another goal. The camera panned over to him on the bench and he looked like he wanted to go back home to Arizona. He looked, he's he's had that get me out of here. Look many times before, um, he does a good job, you know, talking about how awesome Toronto is to, you know, play and live. It's top drawer organization, but that fucking media, man, I don't care how mentally tough you are because these are some of the most mentally and physically tough guys on the planet. We know this. That fucking wears on you. I don't yeah. care who you are. So, yeah. We spent a lot of time on the Leafs because I got to be honest with you, the fact that we were even talking about after one game, is this blow up conversation going to happen already? Um, it's a long series, though. I think I still feel like it's seven. And honestly, I still feel like Tampa wins in seven. Do you know what right. Wes McCauley's doing at home right now? I don't no. know where you're going with this, but I'm so excited. I think that he's sitting, <laughs> I think that he's sitting there. And he's hoping to God that the next game starts with a penalty against the Lightning. The Leafs go on the power play and give up a shorthanded goal. <laughs> that's that's his that's his wet dream right now. I would imagine it's probably not far off, if not exactly what you just said. I didn't after, know where you're going with that. I think that's probably after the after those out. comments. I think that's like. That's what any ref in that situation, I think, would want. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, I'll give you your call. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, there's the Toronto and Tampa series for you. What else has stood out to you, Tudor specifically? I know you take in kind of everything very generally as far as you have a good general grasp on things. I know you touched on the Rangers. But anything that – and again – it's a seven-game series, and you got to figure things out pretty quick, you know. Especially these home teams that are losing game ones and stuff. Yep. So, what is there anything where you have like alarm bells going off already? Aside from what we already talked about for most of the show with Toronto, and I don't even know if that's alarm um, bells. It's just like, hey, it's happening again. I don't know if it's alarm bells, but I think for me, what we've seen the last two nights is two nights ago with the Dumba hit. And last night with the bunting hit. Yes, thank you. I wanted to get to this. I think that what we're seeing now is playoff hockey has a reputation for the refs letting guys play. And it's a whole different style of hockey and it's more physical. And I I think that this year's playoffs will be more physical than the regular season. But I think those calls have shown that they're going to crack down on some of those things a little bit stronger this year. Because in previous years, there have been situations where guys have been hit late or they've been hit high, and it either hasn't been a penalty or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's just a quick two-minute minor. But I think what they're, what they're showing early, and I don't know, maybe we'll find out later that the NHL is putting an emphasis on it this year in the playoffs and the refs have been instructed to do so, but it does look like they're kind of policing some of those hits, especially late hits and high hits, a little bit more than they have in the past in the playoffs. So I think that's going to be something to watch out for. Um, now, after it gets called a couple times, maybe guys won't be doing it throughout the rest of the series because they're not going to want to put their team at a disadvantage if they know it's going to get called. But that's something that I've kind of noticed the last two nights. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Which one was worse for you? The bunting hit, right? Yeah, I would say the bunting hit. Um, the Dumba hit was pretty bad. The The bunting hit, though, like... 
There was There's kind no, of a hockey play aspect to like, the to dump me, hit for me, but the bunting one, I'm like, I was like, this guy's a fucking idiot. He clearly lost his cool or something. Yeah, and like the, it had no like there was no play there. Right. Like, exactly. There was no there to me, it's like even if it is bang bang and the puck leaves, I'm not saying don't touch a guy and don't give him a little bit of a shove, but there's no reason to try to hit a guy that high or that hard away from the play when you, when it has no impact on what's happening. Right. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Like that can be nothing other than you lost your cool and there's intent to injure. Or what I think too, even this is the kind of shit where some of the stories I've heard about Sheldon Keefe. Um, I don't know who knows. Maybe he sent a message where he's like, Hey, Hedman's already down. Let's try and fucking, get one of the other ones. Let's try and really get a wounded monster here. Advantage us. Right. Cause what are, what else, what else are you doing there besides something like that? You're that's as intent to concuss a guy as I've ever seen. Right. The puck's not even in the camera frame. The puck's not in the camera frame. It's shoulder to the side of the head, like just elbow up, follow through. Yeah. The whole shebang. Just so, yeah. Um, but yeah, those, those hits were interesting to say the least. I, I'm still on the Dumbo one. Do you think it's as reacted how it did if Pavelski's not laying there like he was and considering it's Joe Pavelski, he's kind of everybody loves him. He's uh, he's one of the golden boys of the NHL. What is he, 38 now, veteran? He's just steady Eddie, just keeps going. Um, and obviously, too, most importantly, history with head injuries. Fairly significant history with head injuries, especially uh, obviously in his time in San Jose. Yeah, I think though that like what my issue with Dumbas is, it was a little bit quicker in terms of I'm actually kind of watching the video again on the side right now. (laughs) Um, But what my issue with this is just to me, it's the way he hit him, and I understand that that sounds soft to a lot of people and there's some people that are like fuck that it's good hard nose hockey but in my in my mind it's put a body on the guy but Dumba kind of came across the other player was kind of screening Pavelski's vision from so I don't think Pavelski ever saw him coming because there was another player between them and Dumba very clearly launched himself high but he does that he does that backward skate thing, right? Like a reverse hit is almost it, to me. It's almost like he's trying to mask that he's body checking a guy normally right. and makes it look like he's like, Oh, I just reverse hit him. But if you look at it, it's, he does kind of brace his shoulder up and he launches higher. And in that situation, like if you want to put a body on Pavelski, I have no problem. Continue to skate backwards, put your hip on his hip and just go right through him and you're both going to end up plastered against the boards. And to me, that's nobody's. That's not a dangerous play. That's not a high injury play, and you still hit them hard. And you still but, get the crowd going. But the fact that you're you're lining the guy up as he's coming around the back and then like elevating yourself up with your shoulder higher, that's where, that's where it kind of crosses the line for me. And it's like, hey – there's a lot of hockey fans out there that probably think I am soft for having that opinion, and I don't really care. I just don't see why – I don't understand the reason for launching yourself high like that. You're trying to crush the guy. That's Take the reason. Steam off. To me, yeah, to me you're not trying to crush a guy. You're trying to hurt a guy. And there's well, a that's difference. what I mean, you know. Yeah. How to hurt a game. Intent to injure is, yeah. Right. Intent like to, to me, that's when, when you're launching yourself high and you're seeing a guy's, you know, chicken wing get out there a little bit or whatever. That's where you're not trying to hit him hard. You're trying to hurt him. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to knock him out of the game. And to me, that kind of like, I don't, I don't like that. I like, yeah. you know, good hard body hit, body check, whatever, but you don't need to go anywhere near the head and the neck. And, to me, there's a difference when I watch a body check in a, in a league that's full of paid professionals. So it's a job to them, like we talk about in sports many a time here on here, Tutor. When I see when you know it, you know when guys talk about the brotherhood and all this stuff, and then you see the plays where, like again, for me, the bunting one is so much more annoying to me. Yeah. Um, 
so when you see that and you're just like, yeah, there's a more cutthroat. It's for the cup now, for real now. Like the the we're in the series is in the we're in the fucking playoffs. It's for the cup now. That ruthlessness sparks out, and that's what you mentioned too. When we talk about playoff hockey, that's one of the things that happens. And then the governing of the game has to be a little different because everybody involved, players and officials and coaches, knows those kind of plays are going to be happening more than they would in the regular season. You have to strategically try to keep it under control and get more plays where you say hip on hip, both into the boards rather than Dumba doing a backwards skate, doing a reverse hit where he's just using his back instead of his shoulder. Almost it's, you know, so, and then again, not to knock on Dumba either, because it's a really smart fucking play to do in a lot of situations, especially as a defenseman, when you're getting four checked hard in a corner. Yeah. Reverse hits are fun. Very useful tool. But um, it's just one of those things where you want to see a little more discretion in the heat of the moment from Dumba is all. You know, like most defensemen at that level and have played as long as Matt Dumba has, you know how to cream a guy, you know, a nice, clean, hard hit. You know how to do that, you know, without trying to kill him. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so. but no, you're right. I think the the biggest thing is that Joe Pavelski is a player that everyone seems to respect. His awareness on the ice is great. He's had a little run in with head, like had problems with it. Was it last playoffs where he got hit in front of the net or off the face off and he hit his head and he started bleeding on the ice? Like this guy's had some head head yeah. problems. Like do you like at that point Dumba probably it's not running through his head like, oh, that's Joe Pavelski. Let me respect him a little bit. But like, right, you're at that point where it's like, you know who you're hitting. You know who you're playing against. And Joe Pavelski launch. isn't someone that's, yeah, exactly. He's not someone that just roams around. Like his awareness is great for him to get rid of the puck and to get hit like that. It's definitely something he wasn't expecting, yeah. which says you would something think at about that it. time. You can kind of tell when you're catching a guy off guard when you're hitting them. I don't care how intense the game is like. But you're at that level where you need to control your emotions to the point where, like, yeah, it's a big hit and it's playoffs and you want to be, you want to battle and you want to, it's either beat them or beat them up. Yep. But be aware. Like, like you said, you, you do the same exact thing, you get the same exact outcome, you get people riled up if it's shoulder to shoulder or hip on hip and nice you loud glass and board crash for the microphone for the yeah 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 write them off mm -hmm. but no i i don't like to see it but obviously it's it's hockey right like that's playoff hockey everyone's on their highest like their highest level everyone's on their top gear so it's like i get it but we're man. just trying to make sure we're covering the bases in the game and making sure we're policing it right because you got to remember, we got to keep the people who are trying to get fighting and hitting out of the game. We got to make sure that they know that this that's not what's causing stuff like this right. at all. It's a contact fucking sport. Bad hits are going to happen. Right. Split yeah. second. Yeah. Free, you know? free cats. So, it does. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It happens. It happens so, in football. Happens everywhere. Yeah. Um. But yeah, what else did you have? That You said you had a couple of things you wanted to ask, Willie. Was that the one or did you have another one? No, I just had it was uh, uh, how many teams there were and how many refs. Oh yeah, so it was like give the, you a comparison of like yeah. these guys are probably seeing the same refs often, and they probably have a little bit of bias if one team's been nicer to them throughout the year or not. Like who knows? Yeah, I had no idea the number was that low. Yeah. I That's literally, really I I guess so high because I literally just was like, all right, if we have four officials on the ice, four times thirty-two, like. Yeah. That would be that would be kind of my ballpark guess. I had no idea that it was that low. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. crazy. I mean, it's a tight list. Um, before we sign off, um, the one thing I wanted to just ask Tudor specifically because I know he's as you know roughly about as tapped into the playoffs as I am. I know Willie's got a thick content creation schedule at the moment. Um, the boy's been busy. Yeah. Hard to sit down and watch. Yeah, it's good. Hard to sit down and watch. It's good. Me and Tudor got to watch it so we can not sound like morons on the show and know nothing. Let me let so me be that that's, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, 
Um, and we got to compensate not having Derek's insight because Derek's bowed down. You got to have the big D, Derek down under on the first week, if you can, for the playoffs. Because he's always got those couple points. Nobody thought of him. And he's got a really nice spirited take on it and gets a, just gets a nice little added element. But, um, <laughs> dude, specifically, out of everything you saw through the first game before we start watching the, the game twos that have already kicked off, I believe, with the Islanders and Hurricanes, do you sense a sweep? in the first round if so is there a matchup you're looking at because i've i will start and i will say i could not believe that seattle beat colorado that was the only one i thought was probable that could have happened um but it's really exciting for me because i can't see one where i think there's going to be a sweep no i i don't really either i mean I pulled. I just pulled up the. Is it Boston? Is it Boston, Florida? The next one, but Bergeron out tonight again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man, because like Boston's up one nothing in the series. Florida didn't play bad in that first game either. They 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 outshot him in game one. Yeah, Um, they lost three to one, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Puck luck. Um, You know, actually, uh, so two nights ago, I'm looking at the matchups. Um, all three teams. Now the margins weren't huge, so keep that in mind. They were all within five, uh, five to actually, yeah, three to five shots. But the mm-hmm. team that had more shots lost every game two nights ago for the matchups tonight. Um, wow. you know, the Wild uh, were outshot by the Stars and beat them three to two, and the Kings were outshot by the Oilers and beat them four to three. So. I think with that in mind, it just shows me if I were to pick one, I guess it would maybe be the Panthers to get swept just because goaltending, right? Yeah. You're you're out shooting the other team, but you've got guys like Allmark and Swayman on the other side of that series, and Allmark's a Vezina candidate this year. He's played excellent hockey, and you've got a great team in front of him in Boston, and you know, hats off to to Lion over in, you know, with the Panthers, but oh yeah, that's not somebody that anyone expected to be playing any games this season for Florida uh, when it's a name that scares you when you hear. So it. yeah, I mean that's so that's kind of where I'm looking at it, and that's same thing with like Edmonton. Now I don't think Edmonton's going to get swept just because they have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, but Edmonton doesn't have great goaltending. And that's been their issue for how many years now? And they put 40 shots up on the Kings and lost. Yeah. Like that's, that's to me, it's the whole, you know, goaltending wins it and you got to have the hot goalie in the playoffs. So yeah, I guess if there's one series looking at it now, I could see the Bruins doing it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the Stars put up 53 shots last game. The Wild had 48. That's a track meet. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think overall we're going to see a lot of evened out series. But I'm not going to. game sixes and sevens probably. I'm, I'm not going to overreact to a game like the Rangers and Devils 5-1. to one. I think the Devils are a team that could bounce back and win a couple games, if not win the series. I think that. The Golden Knights, they got kind of trounced by the Jets, but I, I just really don't see that being the entire series for them. They're a solid hockey team. Shout out to Jack Eichel, minus three last night. Come, Thanks for coming. <laughs> love love to see uh, Toronto down one. Love to see Vegas down one. Yeah. that's. But so dude, here's, here's what I want to leave you guys with. Yes. And I'm sorry, Benny, if uh, I cut you off there, but this is what I want to end the show with today. You didn't, but go ahead. I'm so excited Um, for this. If it were to happen where the Stanley Cup final this year was the Vegas Golden Knights against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) You'd you'd rather see the Maple Leafs. You'd you'd rather see get the Maple Leafs get the cup than Jack. Yeah, because I don't have anything against any player aside now from Michael Bunting, maybe, on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I got no beef. I got nothing. I they're exciting players to watch. They're fun. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, the big three there. 
some of the sickest dress, best style, coolest dudes making hockey cool for the young crowd. Those motherfuckers are trapped there for right now. I'll start the free Austin Matthews thing if I have to. It, the, the idea of Jack Eichel being in the same room as the Stanley Cup makes me want to vomit. Willie, what about you? Dude, I... His I greasy New England clam chowder fucking hands all over that fucking thing, taking his pregame nap, spooning it. Fuck off. No. Toronto, I would... I would gladly want that. I would, without hesitation, Toronto and the drought. I'm fine. I'm almost tired of talking about it because it's so (laughs) monotonously happening that they're going to fuck up somehow in the playoffs and not win anything significant. But Jesus, the fucking. And and it's not even so much Eichel, honestly, as the newer franchise piece, I think. The Eichel part's funny for like us and the show and everything. <laughs> Buffalo, you know, Sabres fans predominantly, right? It's always good to poke fun. I'd be going right to the t-shirt press at the shop. Oh, make you a custom oh, piece. Oh, it's yeah. So like and it's it's more so of the the organization itself. Um and I know that for some people that might you might think I'm lying, but no, it really is. I, that would annoy me more because on some level, as much as Toronto fans annoy me, I level with them on a certain spot of understanding of being a really passionate hockey city and having constantly being let down, underachieving, wasting great players, etc. So that's no that's that's a really fair point that I didn't think about in terms of relating to those Did teams. you think I was going to say you were going to put me in a pretzel of what to pick? Did I actually, you think that was going to be actually, harder? I did think it was going to be harder for you because mainly because I know how much you would hate it if Jack left for Vegas and won it. But mm-hmm. I also know Toronto fans can be insufferable (laughs) and there are teams that I legitimately look at and say, I have no beef with any players on this team or this organization, but I think their fans annoy the shit out of me and I'll root against them every week just because I don't want to hear their fans talk. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's certain organizations and in sports that I feel that way about. And I thought you might think that way about the Leafs, which is why in my mind, it would have been a little bit tougher of a decision for you. Just not wanting to hear Leafs fans fill up KeyBank Arena next year and talk about how sick their team is. Yeah, but the, the funny part is, is they're going to just keep refeeding the the chirp material because then what they'll do is they will go so over the top nuts that they finally did it. And they're celebrating like the cup's back home or whatever dumb shit they're going to say when it's like you had to win eight games and there were six teams in the league for pretty much all of your other cups. That's true. So like there's a for how gloriously awful it's been. It's like the Bills with the four straight Super Bowls. Like, yeah, they've they've kind of bounced back from it a little bit like they're relevant again but they still really haven't done it i mean they're they're another they're another team that like the leafs everyone looks at and is like hey you're the favorite or one of the top two favorites every year now but i won't believe it until i see it yeah it's a lot different i think with it is it is different but i think it i think it's same premise it's got some similarities in the fact that you know, when especially when you have a team great that, regular season, underachieving postseason. Yeah. When you have teams that, that haven't gotten over that hump before, it is what it is. Yeah. Willie's I'll, just trying desperately to escape without sharing an opinion. So I'm gonna call him out right now. No, dude, I'm all Toronto. I, I like I like those boys. I, I think they have a great team. They're fun to watch. I don't see. I don't mind, you know, I mean the fans obviously, but like I'm not one that goes to the games. I don't really the only Leaf fan I talk to is Robbie. And he's, yeah. like I said, the most level-headed Leafs fan you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. But it's just nice to see, like... And I'd actually... I would have fun celebrating a Leafs Cup with Robbie if I could hang out with him. Like, that would be Same. fun. Same. But I want to see them experience off. and get rid of the narrative of, like, there's a curse, whatever. The last thing I want to see is for Vegas to come into the league, think they can just stack their team, grab Eichel, which... 
great. Love that they grabbed Eichel, but I don't want to see him win right now. Yeah. Especially because he feel like he he's escaped, and now we feel like a team. Mm-hmm. And from the body language has always been something to talk about with Jack Eichel. He doesn't. Their team doesn't look like they're in love with each other. Our team does in a yeah. in a good way, but yeah. like the boys like to be around each other. When do you see those guys posting shit together? Like you gotta look at the team dynamic. It's a vicious cycle, and it looks like the Sabers are on their way out. Like Toronto, I want to see them get all the way out so that eventually they can go back down. <laughs> but like <laughs> they keep going, you know? Yeah, we want but, it for like the players and stuff that we're fans of more so than like the fans who are gonna be annoying. Or you know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. that was a really good question, Toots, for sure. It's a good send off. Everybody, enjoy the games for the rest of the weekend. We have some awesome, awesome, awesome hockey lined up. Um, I thank you for joining us. It's been a great episode. Great to finally talk playoff hockey, like for real now. Um, so, for the next uh, few episodes, there's going to be plenty of topics to cover with the playoff hockey. So, um, and there's always going to be stuff to chip in now that it's golf season. Yeah. Quick, um, up, quick update for the folks at home. We're halfway through the first period in game two of Hurricanes and Islanders, and the Canes have a double minor four-minute power play, and they're already up one nothing. How much time left in the power play? Uh, full four minutes. Clock just stopped, so um, maybe, rattle, maybe rattle off a few goals here because I don't want to hear the Islanders fans. I want to see Stu Finer. That's all I want to see. I want to see Stu Finer at Borelli's going absolutely nuts, yelling about the mulches here. I want it all because it's great for the sport. It is great for the sport to have Stu Finer interested in hockey. Um, so, yeah, that kind of sucks because I bet Islanders money line, as everyone would imagine I would, them coming off a loss. Let's see how it goes, though. Let's see. Um, that's yeah, going to be an interesting rest of that game. But, yeah, thank you, everybody. Enjoy the games. We're already getting the fresh updates from the boys. So um, we'll be back next week. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been Justition at 101. Thanks, everybody. See you.